Welcome to the Develop Yourself Podcast, where we teach you everything you need to land your first job as a software engineer by developing yourself, your mindset, your network, your habits, and more. I'm one of your co-hosts, Peter Albaum, and today I'm talking about something that a lot of people wonder about, a lot of people have questions about, but there's not that much information out there about it, and that is software engineering salaries. What can you expect to make as a software developer? And so I wanna get into a few different things. Number one, uh, a few of my own salaries, so I wanna provide you with some real information and data. Uh, Number two, the things that influence your pay. So these are gonna be things like where you live, which we'll talk about. And number three, what are reasonable ranges for software engineers that I think are based on your experience? So junior, mid, and senior. So we'll talk about those things. Let's go ahead and get into it. So just to start out, I think it's worth mentioning that a big part of the reason that people get into software engineering is money. And I mentioned at the top that it's a little bit hard to know what to expect, but that's not entirely true because there are resources out there that can help you predict what you will make as a software engineer. But the problem with a lot of these resources that I've noticed is that they're oriented towards big companies. So if you think of your Facebooks, your Twitters, you know, Fang, big tech in general, there are websites out there devoted to those salaries that are user submitted. So it's real data. I'm thinking of sites like levels.fii, for example, and those are great sites, but I think there's a bit of a lack of real data and real discussion around working just a regular job. And a regular job for me is kind of the jobs that I've had, which are in private companies that are not publicly traded, most likely, or even if they are publicly traded, they're not the hot publicly traded companies. So if you look at my local market, for example, we have Cisco with a C. Uh, It's publicly traded. It's sought after. Uh, but it's not one of these like really big flashy companies like Google or Facebook that are known for their engineering that are typically the highest value tech stocks that have a really easy way of getting the best engineering talent. I'm not talking about those jobs. I'm talking about just a regular job, maybe at a private company. Uh, I've worked mostly at agencies and agencies tend to be privately held and also not necessarily having the same revenue of a Facebook or Google. And so a lot of those companies need engineers too. And so I want to focus on those, not only because that's where my experience is, but also because, like I said, I think there's a lack of discussion around what you can expect to be paid at those kinds of companies. So uh, just to recap, we're talking uh, smaller, privately held typically, or even just regular jobs that maybe the company is publicly traded. Let's talk about like an advanced auto parts. Are they paying the same as a Facebook? Probably not. So I want to get into what a normal regular engineering job or engineer at a company that isn't really well known can expect to make. I also want to talk about my salary. So I mentioned that at the beginning and it's not to flex. It's really to do something else, which is to combat a taboo that we have as a culture around discussing money and salary. I think that's starting to change and I'm really glad for it. Number one, because uh, it's just hard to know what to expect unless people are being transparent. Number two, I think it's good for equity because a lot of times if someone's making more than you, you have no idea and no way of knowing And so I think the more transparent we can be with salaries, the less discrepancy, hopefully, there is, for example, between men and women. Um, That's something that I care a lot about. 
And uh, I wish salary were just a lot more transparent, right? And uh, in my experience, I've found that just from knowing people that have owned businesses, from seeing my own experience, sometimes what people are paid and the value they provide does not match up at all. And so I think the more that we share about salary, the more that we talk about it, hopefully those those discrepancies, that variability gets ironed out. Another reason I think it's important to talk about these things is it's hard to navigate a salary negotiation without having some information first. And so I know a lot of you are either thinking about switching into an engineering career or you're on the job search for the first time. I think there's a little bit of a danger and a danger for me of sounding cynical in saying this, but I think there's a danger in people being potentially taken advantage of because if you are the kind of company that hires junior engineers, my hope is that it's a company that has a strong culture of mentorship and of growing their own talent. But sometimes there are situations where people see juniors or less experienced people as cheap labor or people that they can pay a little bit less and who they are confident will just take it because they don't have any other options. I do not want you to be in that kind of situation. And one way that you can combat that situation is to be armed with information. Information is leverage in a salary negotiation, and the more of it you have, probably the better. So that is another reason why I want to talk about this, why I want to share a little bit about the salaries that I've had. And I think it's just a good thing. So Let's go ahead and get into those three areas I mentioned at the top. So number one, some salaries I've had. Number two, the influences around your pay. And number three, what I think reasonable ranges are. Okay, so let's talk about the salaries. I won't bury the lead. My first salary here in Raleigh where I live uh, was for $62,000 a year. This was getting close to six years ago. And this was with the local city government here. And if you know anything about government, you know government pays less in general, but the benefits are generally really good. So that was the case here. They actually had to get this job reclassified into a higher level. And so the job was actually for a senior role, even though this was really my first full-time non-contract job. And so uh, that was pretty good to me at the time. Honestly, I wasn't expecting to make that much money. I've since learned a lot, and we'll talk about that. Um, I have seen juniors make a lot more than that for their first job. But for me, I was pleased with that. And uh, things went on like that for a little while. I actually got an adjustment to 65000 not too long after that because there was a, an organization-wide compensation study. So some people made a little bit more. I think some people made a little bit less, which is tough. Um, but when you're in the public sector, there's scrutiny around what is happening with the tax dollars. And so that's kind of how things shook out. I left that job after 10 months for another job at a local agency privately held, like I said. So this is the kind of job that really I think is in my wheelhouse to discuss as far as compensation goes. So, uh, you know, small company, probably 50 people, privately held agency. So working with clients. And that job had a starting salary of $74,000. And I stayed at that job for about a year and a half. And then after about a year and a half, I went to job number three, also a small-ish privately held agency. And that starting salary was for $95,000 a year. At this point, I had uh, about two years experience. So uh, you can see even just from those numbers that salary increased rapidly. So uh, about 50% uh, 
on the starting salary in two years. So for people that are interested in engineering and are motivated by the money, the money is good and there's a lot of growth potential. If I'm being transparent, that is part of the reason why I got into engineering. I had a few years out of university where I was not making much money and also didn't have much direction. So that's kind of the other half is engineering skills give you confidence, I think. Aaron has talked about that in past episodes. So that's also another good reason to do this if you're considering. But the money's good. Let's be honest about that. And uh, also something that I haven't really gotten into yet is that it's not like I started those jobs and stayed at that salary. Typically what happens in a job if you're doing well is you get promoted during your time at those jobs and then you get increases in your compensation Uh, accordingly and along with those promotions. So that also happened to me. And that's all to say that I didn't leave those jobs at those salaries. Those are just the starting salaries. I'm not sure that I'm going to share my full uh, compensation progression yet. I've thought about also making a YouTube video about it, Uh, but I'm a little bit on the fence just because, you know, it's a little bit, uh, can be a little bit nerve wracking to just tell the whole world about all the money you've ever made. Uh, But I'm thinking about it. And like I said, I think it's important to kind of combat this taboo. So uh, those data points I mentioned are just data points. And so, like I said, the more information that you can collect, the better. So that is just three more data points to kind of put uh, in your spreadsheet if you have a spreadsheet or just to keep in mind. If you are really interested in this piece, you can reach out to us and and we can consider doing maybe a more in-depth episode on this or I can maybe share a bit more information. But anyway, those are the salaries. It's just a bit more of information for you to put in your back pocket. So that's kind of our first topic. Uh, number two, what influences your pay? So this is pretty important, I think, and has changed a lot since the pandemic. So uh, I still think uh, that the biggest things that influence your pay are your local market, and your location, unless you are being uh, employed remotely. And even with remote employment, a lot of places I've seen are doing salary adjustments where you essentially are paid based on your local market, regardless of where you live. So it's kind of, I think, a way, this sounds cynical as well, but I think it's a way for, let's say on Facebook, everybody can't make a Silicon Valley salary, right? And so I think it actually does make sense to pay people based on what their local cost of living is. Uh, So I still think your location matters a lot. Uh, Your local market matters a lot, but I think it matters less than it did. It matters a lot if you are trying to get a job locally or if you're trying to use your network. So like I said, I live in Raleigh and I think I have a pretty decent local network because I've worked at local companies and, and know people. And I still think that's really powerful getting a job is hard and it's made a lot easier if you have people that you know well that work at companies that you like. And so uh, getting a job, of course, influences your pay in general. And so if you can't get a job, then you don't have pay to discuss anyway. So I think that's why the local location and your local market has a big influence on your pay. It still does. Of course, there are other things like experience, your specialization, how good of a negotiator you are, Uh, but I think those are the biggest influences still at this point. Uh, Like I said, that's changing because of remote work, so you uh, can kind of take it with a grain of salt, but uh, I still think it's worth living and working in an area that has a strong tech market. So, for example, I live, like I said, in Raleigh. We have a great tech market, 
And uh, it's not something I would give up lightly. So let's say I had the opportunity to move into the middle of nowhere. Uh, I still think it's kind of a good fallback is the way I think of it. So I consider myself a remote employee at this point, first and foremost, and really would be hard pressed to consider a job where I was required to be in the office every day. But if it came down to it, it would be nice to have a strong local market I could look at if I really needed to get a job and couldn't afford to hold out based on remote or not remote anymore, that local market's going to be clutch. So that's something to consider for those of you. And, you know, some of us may not live near a good tech market, and that's okay. I think remote work and the rise of remote work has made that matter less. So I wouldn't be terribly concerned about that, but it's just something to keep in mind. And like I said, it's a big influence on your pay. Let's talk about our third point, which is what are ranges that you can expect to make given your experience level. So um, a few things to note, uh, like I mentioned at the top, uh, I'm not a big tech expert. These are regular privately held uh, companies, let's say under 2000 people. And uh, you know, there's tons of these out there. So uh, you know, we love to look at the Googles and the Facebooks and look at all their free lunches and their cool offices and all this stuff. But there's a proliferation of companies that need engineering talent Maybe the product isn't the most sexy thing ever, or maybe you've never even heard of the company before, but I contend that the majority of jobs out there are for these kind of companies. So I think they're worth considering. What are the ranges though? Based on your experience, what's reasonable? What can you expect to make? So uh, again, this is uh, largely based on my local market because that's where most of my jobs have been and I've been paid based on my location. Uh, But I would say, if I were counseling somebody uh, to, let's say, a junior and they're in my area or similar markets, I would say don't take anything under 60000 So if you remember back, I mentioned that my first salary was for 62000 This is six years ago. And uh, I don't want to get on the whole bandwagon hype train about inflation, but it is a reality. And if inflation is as much of a reality as we're discussing currently, kind of in the news, in the zeitgeist, you would expect that to influence salaries because cost of living is going up, right? The cost of buying goods is going up. So I would expect that starting salary to be higher. So just because I mentioned my starting salary was for 62, really it probably should be a little bit higher. Uh, And so I basically would, would tell somebody don't consider anything under 60, but more likely I would be kind of shooting for the 70, 75 range. So all that said, I think a reasonable range for a junior engineer is between 60 and 80. So that's a a broad range for you. I think a mid-level engineer, again, in my market uh, at a regular company that probably doesn't have a ton of excess revenue, would be 80 to 100. And I'll stop here because I made a YouTube video about this same topic. And someone commented and said, Yeah, for mid-level, I would expect like 120. And that is possible. I'm just saying these are ranges based on my experiences, based on the companies I've been in and kind of based on what I've seen. But I think it would be uh, potentially possible for a a mid-level engineer to make 120. Uh, But I think uh, maybe a a lower uh, expectation kind of range would be 80 to 100. So that's kind of the number I'm throwing out. And I, I think a senior could expect to make 100 to 120 plus. So I don't think it would be unreasonable for a senior to make 140, 150, 160, somewhere in there. Uh, And then of course, if you're 
it a, a company that's flush with cash, it goes even up from there. So uh, why am I discussing these ranges? I think it's just helpful to have some kind of basis to know what can I expect to be paid. And of course, like I said, things vary. You can do your own research on Payscale or on Glassdoor as well. I think that's really helpful actually. Uh, but this is just kind of what I would expect based on what I've seen out there in the market and what I think is reasonable and based on my experience essentially. So I hope this was helpful for you and I hope it answered maybe a few questions that you had. There's a lot more to be said here. So like I said previously, if you wanted to hear us maybe talk more about this, I think this might make a good uh, conversation and episode for Aaron and I to maybe discuss together. So just let us know and uh, also feel free to reach out if you have questions. Uh, I'm of course uh, on Twitter. I'm uh, via email at peter at peterelbaum.com. So happy to kind of give my two cents and provide any advice to anybody that might have further questions about this. And I think it's a super important topic. Love talking about it. So happy to share any wisdom I might have with you. That's all for today. I want to give a few of our shameless plugs. Parsity is at parsity.io. And we have a new cohort kicking off on October 17th. I think we're getting close to full. So if you're thinking about pulling the trigger, I'd say go ahead and apply and pay your deposit so you can be sure to grab your place in the new cohort. My YouTube channel is at youtube.com slash and I have a new course out. I mentioned this last time, but I have a new course called Junior to Senior, and that's on Udemy. Uh, the listeners of this podcast can pick that up for free. So look in the show notes for a link, and I'll put that link in there so you can grab that. Leave a review if you like it. That really helps. And I uh, appreciate you guys considering taking a look at that. Last but not least, uh, Dev30 is at dev30.xyz. That is our free cohort-based JavaScript course. So be sure to check that out as well. Hope you guys are doing great. Thanks so much for listening along and we'll see you in the next one.